the name of the true and living God. Amen. Please be seated. I saw a post not very long ago by Steve Inskeep. So Steve Inskeep, many of you uh, know who he is. He's a host of one of the morning shows on NPR. So many people here in Washington, D.C., where he lives, uh, listen to him all the time. He described being in a line here somewhere in Washington, and as he made it up to the front of the line, he was talking to the person at the counter. One of the other people in the line reached over him and, and said, it's remarkable. You sound just like Steve <laughs> I think being famous on the radio is a special kind of fame. You know, people know your voice, they hear you every day, but they might not have any idea what you look like. When we think about the way that we recognize people, there are many ways. It's fascinating to think about, you know, each of us, the way that we write, we have our own way of writing, our own style of handwriting. If you've ever gotten a letter from someone you love and you recognize their penmanship, uh, there, there is something special about that for each person. Likewise, when you sign your name, your signature, that is yours. And there's power in that, in your recognized identity. You can also recognize a person by the way they move. Sometimes you will see somebody way off and you can't make out their features, but by the very way they move, you know you know that person. So we all move in our own special ways. And of course, we recognize each other often with our faces, which was hard during the pandemic when we had more than half of our faces covered most of the time. You could only see the eyes. And it led to many embarrassing moments where you sometimes didn't realize who you were talking to. Um, I did have an art teacher one time who pointed out that more than you think, you recognize the shape of people's foreheads. Our foreheads are very distinctive, and you can spot person and your brain is doing that work without you even knowing it, recognizing the special, um, you know, unique qualities of somebody's forehead. But what Jesus speaks of in this story today, in his gospel teaching, he talks about the voice. He says, when the shepherd speaks and the sheep hear his voice, they recognize the voice of their shepherd and they follow. A voice is a special thing because it is our primary way that we communicate with other people. But if you think about it, it's very intimate because each of us has a voice that is made by our flesh, our body. When you combine the power of air traveling through us to make these sounds which then excite the air and create the sound waves, that then are received by others. It's sort of the original Wi-Fi, traveling over the air so that we can be connected from us to one another. And sound waves are fascinating to me. Um, I spent a lot of time singing when I was in college, and that quality that you sometimes are blessed to experience when you're singing and you don't know when your voice ends, and your neighbor's voices begin. And we feel it here in this room when we sing or stand together, when we lose ourselves in the whole of the sound. And we are connected with each other. And the pipe organ uh, has the power, too, to 
um, do some important things, certain notes will shake the furniture. There's one door right over there in the, in the side connector that when Lynn hits a certain low note on the organ, I don't know which note it is, but that's the exact note of that door, and it will start to shake. You might feel your clothing shake. And that's the way it is when you hear the voice of somebody who to you is beloved. It resonates your core. Deep inside you, you're connected. There's a story of a monastic community. This comes to me about third hand, but I believe it is true that this community of monks were living together for years and years, and they were starting to get very old. And all of a sudden, they all started to fall ill. They had colds and other kind of illnesses, <clears throat> and it was uncanny that they would all be ill all at once at the same time. And they brought in a doctor from outside, and the doctor started asking them questions. Um, what was going on when this happened? Were you exposed to something? Did something change in your community right at that time when the illness set in? And one of the monks said, well, yes, actually something changed. Right then, we stopped chanting with one another. We decided instead of singing together, we would just say the prayers. And the doctor's prescription was, go back to chanting. And as the story goes, they got healthier. We are born to be connected. This is what we are made for. In the Middle East, in Jesus' day, a sheepfold had high walls, and it had a, a gate, a door. And interestingly, inside the sheepfold, they didn't just have one flock. Uh, they had multiple flocks that were uh, the sheep of many different shepherds. And so if you were a shepherd, you went up to that gate, and you would meet somebody who'd be standing there guarding the whole sheepfold, and they would be able to either recognize that you were a shepherd or you were someone else. And if you were a shepherd, the gate would open for you, you could go in, and then when the shepherd calls out, that is the way that they separated out the sheep. Rather than going and picking out, knowing which sheep were yours and which weren't, you just call and your own sheep would just know and they would come and follow you. That's the image. I struggle with this a little bit, I have to admit. Uh, some of you have heard me say this before. Whenever I hear this story, I think about growing up when I was in 4-H and I raised some sheep, and I never in my life see a sheep follow a voice. <laughs> and certainly never my voice, and I think I probably wasn't a very good shepherd. It's probably the reason. I never shed a tear when I took those sheep to market. <laughs> But the good shepherd that Jesus describes comes in and speaks, and that voice resonates with those sheep. And even if we've never experienced life in the pastures, we've never been around sheep, we know what he's speaking about, because I think all of us have had these moments where we've heard the voice of someone important to us, and we have known that voice. So I, I said that we are made for connection. We are made for relationship. You know, the greatest commandment is to love God and to love neighbor, which is to be connected vertically and horizontally. A few days ago, I picked up a book that I've been meaning to read for a while, which is, it's called Together, and it's written by Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is the U.S. Surgeon General. 
And he makes a case for how important it is for us to be together, to have community from a health standpoint. So he wrote the book, he, he describes it, um, he wrote the book because as a public health doctor, he noticed that there was a common thread that spanned within so many of the illnesses that the public faces. And that thread, tragically, is loneliness. And amazingly, he actually wrote this book in 2019, not knowing what was about to happen to all of society all around the world. Uh, the final thing that he wrote, as authors often do, is the author's note, which is the first thing you read at the very beginning. And when you start reading it, you know the pandemic has just arrived. And he's framing the rest of the book that you're about to read. And he was writing at the end of March 2020, which was long enough into the pandemic to know how serious it was we were heading into. But still, um, it was prophetic what he said. He, he said this, Almost overnight, it seems getting close enough to breathe on another person became synonymous with danger. If we could not meet, how could we connect? If we could not share the same space, how could we help each other? If we could not touch, how could we love? And he goes on to say, alongside the looming specter of global financial recession, rose an equally disturbing prospect of social recession, a fraying of communal bonds that deepens in severity the longer we go without human interaction. And I think he coined a phrase, a social recession, far worse than a financial recession. I think that we have been living with that for a few years now. And I do believe that as followers of Christ, of the Good Shepherd, our mission is to be part of this movement to bring us away from this way of isolation and back into connection. Well, finally, I want to lift up the other main image that Jesus talks about. When he talks about being the good shepherd, he then also gives a different, entirely different image, which is to be the gate. So you've seen, I'm sure, pictures of Jesus carrying a lamb on his shoulders or stained glass windows of that, Jesus the good shepherd. In fact, there is a window right over here that is a surprising one. It's dedicated to Montgomery Blair. And after the service, you might want to look at it. Hidden in, almost like a secret, there are lambs floating in the air all around the figure of Jesus as he is talking to Peter. It's surreal. They are defying gravity. And you don't see them at first. You have to look for a while. But it makes sense because Jesus is the Lamb of God and the Good Shepherd, but he's also the gate. And I don't think we've ever seen a stained glass window that shows Jesus as a gate. <laughs> so it's a mysterious saying. But it makes sense because we know that God is love and that Jesus' way is love. So, the only way to the Father is through him, after all, through love itself. This gate that he speaks of, it is the way to the Father and the way to one another, towards healing and towards community. He says, I am the gate, which is code that the people would have understand 
would have understood because I am is the name of God. He is the gate. And when we feel our hearts resonating with love, that is when we know we are in the presence of his voice and that it is our chance to follow where he leads. Amen.